Welcome to Investing in You, presented by Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, a show where we explore and discuss topics relating to finance, community, and life. We've got a great episode for you today featuring Kochi Prosper. Kochi has been with Affinity Plus since 2005 and is currently the Director of Investment and Retirement Services. Prior to his start at Affinity Plus, he worked as a financial advisor. And what does his role entail? Well, Kochi works with clients to design a personal financial plan based on their life goals. This strategy focuses on helping them become more confident about managing their financial objectives and is designed to provide solutions to both your everyday and long-term financial questions. Kochi's team continuously monitors progress towards your financial goals and updates your plan based on changes in market conditions and your individual situation. So today I have in the studio with me Kochi Prosper, and we're going to be talking about investing. So let's get started. What a fun topic. What a fun topic. Amazing topic. Um, So someone new comes in, uh, wants to sit down, talk about investing, um, and they're maybe new to that whole space. They've maybe read a few things or heard some confusing terms, and they're not really quite sure where to even begin to have that conversation. So if someone comes to you kind of in that space, um, how do you help them feel comfortable about investing? What do you, what are some things that you offer them as far as advice or just not general knowledge? Yeah, that's a great question. Investing means a lot of different things to a lot of people. So like you said, people come in and they're just like, I want to start investing. So the best way to handle that is to turn back and kind of talk about what are they trying to do? What does investing mean to you? Why do you want to invest? You know, you need to get to know that person and what they're looking to do. You know, I've had somebody sat down and thought investing was just purchasing a CD, you know, um, and then there's the people who say, hey, they're coming in and I want to get into Bitcoin or I want to buy right. my first stock, right? <laughs> yeah. So the big thing to do is, you know, turn the conversation around and get that person talking. What does investing mean to you? Why do you want to invest? What are you here today to try to accomplish? And that'll help you kind of guide them down the path of what does it mean to invest or what what exactly what exactly is this going to look like sure so it's really what are, what is your goal for what you want to get out of investing so what what depending on time of your life or you know where you're at professionally or personally that could mean a lot of different things to absolutely to the door so um so if they're at that beginning stage um other what are the different types of investing that are out there that they could participate in or what are some of those you know basic concepts that maybe they should become familiar with yeah when it comes to investing like you said it's wide open you can start as casually as cds and all the way up to bond starting to go to bond stocks mutual funds um, etf investing um but you know i think for me most of the time i say let's back this up and start like I, I teach a class at Blaine High School and Champlin Park High School uh, on personal finance, and I always say, let's just start with the first thing. Have you taken care of emergencies and opportunities? Right. So, I'd ask you right now, like, hey, if emergency popped up in your life, could you handle that? You know, Michael, there's a scary stat out there that forty percent of Americans could not handle a four four hundred dollar emergency. Either they couldn't pay it by cash or they'd have to put it on a credit card to handle that actual emergency. 
So I think one of the big things when you start talking to someone about all these ideas of investing all these products out there is like, hey, have you taken care of emergencies and opportunities? So, hey, I break my leg. And I can't work, you know. Right. Um, what would I do there if I got into a car accident? Could I afford the deductible? Sure. You know, could I pay that deductible on, you know, just to get my car back? So, and really, we don't want the people we work with being part of that statistic, right? We don't want them Not to be exactly. part of this 40% that couldn't handle a $400 emergency. So, if I'm talking to someone, can they handle emergencies? So, hey, I got enough built up so I can handle an emergency. If I couldn't work for the next three months, could I pay my bills? Because, and I stress that because think about investing. If I get you in there and you decide to start investing, put some money into the market, hypothetically, uh, emergency pops up a month later, two months later, or even half a year later, now you're giving me a call back and saying, hey, can I get that money <laughs> I just invested? <laughs> and let's just say, Michael, we're on the wrong side of the market. Y- your initial investment now, for some reason, is actually down. So now you're cashing out at a lower amount. Right. So that's the biggest thing before we start talking about there's great products out there. But, hey, have you taken care of emergencies and opportunities? Yeah, like you're saying about like emergencies, you know, everyone's going to have that defined differently. If you have a family, you know, emergency can be a whole host of things. Um, but yeah, you know, car breaking down or something like that, not being able to get to work, you know, it's a lot of things you don't think about, but being able to take care of those is, is, is pretty important before you start getting into what am I going to do with that excess money that I now have once I get, once I have that all sussed out and taken care of. So yeah, absolutely. Just never want to go backwards. You never want to go backwards. Once you're ready to invest is, I've already got my base taken care of. Now I truly can be an investor. Right. And the whole th- concept or thoughts when you say I'm an investor, most of the time is long term. So that's how the, we have to kind of think in our mind. Because sure. if we're planning for a short term goal, if you've identified to me, hey, I'm going to buy a car in a year, I'm going to buy a car in two years there's a very good chance that we're not putting you in the market. You might not get a stock. You might not get mutual funds that have stocks related to it because the goal is short. You might be getting a product like a CD that's a one to two year because it ties up with your goal. Got it. Sure. Because we've all kind of heard the stories of people going and getting investment advice from a professional that didn't end up being maybe the best advice or advice that worked out for the person who's making the recommendations and not so much for the the person who's actually trying to to make some money in the market. So mm-hmm. what would you, how do you build that comfort level with, or what, what would you look for in, you know, an investment advisor, investment professional, as far as being able to feel comfortable that the advice they're giving you, especially because a lot of it is so, you know, it's not stuff that you read about or think about on a daily basis. So how do you, how do you build that trust or confidence with that investment advisor that you know that what they're giving you is solid advice? Yeah. And that's a, And that's always a tough one because I think the first thing is that initial meeting is, did they understand what I was trying to do? You know, did they – who did a lot of the talking in that first meeting? You know, were were they immediately kind of putting a product to me and pitching me something? Or did they spend time really getting to know who I am, what I'm trying to do, and maybe even some of my money habits and money philosophies? Because, Michael, we learn a lot about – how we want to handle money by the way we were raised, right? Mm -hmm. If your dad was one of those guys who, um, you know, never used a credit card ever, 
put money in the backyard in a can, right? <laughs> you know, and just kind of had that mentality because maybe their parents were in the Great Depression era or something like exactly. that. So they had some real feelings about how they handled money. Mm-hmm. It's going to play a lot into how you handle money and your decisions and how you look at money. So is that advisor spending some time to figure out really who I am, what are my philosophies around money? I might be saying what my goals are, but I'm not really explaining to him of how I look at actually doing this or how I'm going to perceive things like risk and what my philosophy is. Um, I think that's one of the biggest indicators is like, is the person trying to understand what I'm trying to do? Are they simply just trying to, hey, let me get this person into a product in the hour. Right, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They always say that first consultation is free. Well, is that first consultation just to get to know me? And then later on, maybe we're going to have a discussion around, here's all of the things you said in the first meeting you're trying to do. Here are some products that might make a sense, or are they helping me develop a plan? Right. There's a lot of people I've worked with where it might be two to three meetings, and really what we might be doing is just developing a plan, and you might just be coming back to invest later. you got some things to take care of first. Sure. Like that emergency fund you were talking about, like... Yeah. It might be a few months before you get there, before I'm really comfortable letting you invest. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the big thing is, you know, do you walk away from that first meeting saying, hey, this person really understood what I'm trying to do? Mm -hmm. Has my best interest in mind and is willing to take that time to educate me because there may be a lot that I'm not aware of or don't understand and don't want to be making decisions without having that knowledge or information. Absolutely. Because there is a lot of information being thrown at consumers now. That's a great part about our society now is information's everywhere. Internet, TV shows, I mean, you just, um, (laughs) blogs. Exactly. It is literally everywhere, you know. Um, So you're going to get a lot of information and you've got to have someone help you say, how does that relate to my situation? Is what they're talking about here, is that something that makes sense for a person like me? If you know nothing about me, then how do we determine if it makes sense? Right, exactly, yeah. And also having someone that can probably distill, you know, there's a lot of information out there, but is it all good information? Is it all, <laughs> is it all well-vetted information? Does that person know what they're talking about when they're putting that online or that blog post or whatever? So yeah, so having someone that has the best interest in mind is definitely nice to have in your corner. Absolutely. I, I, and if you've known, if you've seen recently, like since the market's been good for 10 years, yeah. the return the return of online trading has came back heavily. It's like, come, new, new seminar in the Minneapolis area teaching you how to trade stocks. And we remember those were really booming back in 2007, mm-hmm. 2006. Absolutely. Everybody be a day trader. <laughs> how to be a day trader. Exactly. Yeah. It was a while there. It was a badge of honor to say, hey, I'm a day trader. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, tell me more about that. And then all of a sudden you hit 2009, 2010. I met very few day traders anymore. (laughs) I didn't see many of those guys, but now I see they're back. Right. People are day trading again. It's back and it's it's the thing. And there's an explosion of apps too that allow people to invest, you know, very easily. And Mm -hmm. that, I guess, what what are what's your view on that? I mean, it makes it really easy to invest in the market, but that yeah. education piece, like you were talking about, where do you do you really know what's your long term goal or strategy? What's your plan? Um, do you see that being easily incorporated into those products, or um, do you think it's best to just sit down one on one and have have a personal conversation with somebody regarding regarding investing, so that you 
have some guidance, even if you were to go off and invest on, on your own through those, those means. Yeah. I'll start with your question about the apps. What I think yeah. about the apps, super cool. That's where we're going. Cats out, <laughs> cats out the bag, whatever the, the slogan we want to give. Whatever the hipsters are saying these days. <laughs> whatever the hipsters are saying these days. This is it. We are not going back. There's going to be apps to make life easier every day getting developed and getting pushed out there. So I think it's a good thing. Interesting statistic is the average person spends about 13 months on those apps then they're no longer using them, you know, or they switch to a different app or something. So a lot of great apps out there, but the average person probably doesn't really know what they're doing, doesn't stick with it very long. And usually it's not the um, majority of their their wealth. You know, most of our wealth is still wrapped up in our homes and inside our 401k. Sure. So a lot of those apps don't, you know, really contain the majority of our wealth. So I think they're great things. I think they're good. Um but they're just, for me, they're flashing the bags at some time, you right. know, flashing the pan th- type of things. Um, so I don't I don't expect them to sit around. And here's the bigger thing as we just talked about. The market's been good for over 10 years. So those kind of apps are getting really cool. Do it yourself. It's just easy. The market just keeps going up. Right. You can just do it yourself. Don't worry about it. You don't need any help. But, Michael, what happens is once the market actually goes through a correction – People are off those apps. They're like, hey, whoa, I thought this was easy. I've had a lot of people come in because the new trend is index investing. It's out there. It's really out there. And it's not a bad thing to index invest. But the problem I notice people are saying in my office is, well, I'm just going to do index investing because it's safe. And that's when I get really worried when I hear that part. It's What safe. are you defining as safe? Right. Like not going to lose any money or safe as in you're going to lose yeah, I mean, yeah, what are they defining as safe? What's right. Their, what's their risk tolerance even within that safe investment? <laughs> exactly, and that's what you have to talk to them about is when you say safe, <laughs> tell me more because if you're saying, oh, I can't lose any money, I'm thinking, oh, boy, let's now educate you. So that's the second part of your question. That's when you say, hey, it's okay to maybe meet with someone, sit down and get education and say, hey, I think I'm going to do online index investing or online investing Here's how I think I'm going to go about do this. This is my thoughts about risk. Here's my goal. Does that make sense for me to do that? And you're going to need someone like I'm proud to say with with, with the firm I work with, Affinity Plus, is we're we're objective financial advisors in the fact because we're salaried financial advisors and we want our members to come in and say, hey, here's what I'd like to do. Here's my goals. Am I on the right track? And that's not a wasted appointment for us, right? Because right. I have a salary. I'm there to spend time with you and find out what you're trying to do. So that's still a good use of your time and my time for me to educate you and say, hey, all right, get out there. I think you're ready. I think you've got your emergencies and opportunities all set. Sure. I think this is the route for you now. You can do this and you understand the risk that's involved in doing that. So I think that's going to be a good move for you. Got it. And then, yeah, I guess that would be that probably leads into like when the market does correct. Um and people's portfolios maybe start seeing losses. What what do you say to people in those times of maybe crisis? I know, yeah, the mid mid two thousands, it was a lot of red in people's portfolios. And uh, um, you know, what what do you say to people to uh, when the markets are you know looks like it's going off a cliff and <laughs> and people are wondering, well, I mean, I, you know, maybe you're a couple years away from retirement, or mm-hmm. um, or maybe you're still got a lot of working years left, and so you can kind of ride out. Uh, the correction, but 
what what do you say to people when they I mean or do you have anyone that comes into your office during those times and says like well what 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 am I doing now like we had these this plan and now here's this you know unforeseen event that comes up how 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 should people handle that when those when those things arise absolutely the nice part for me is I've been at this for about 20 years so when those times hit I don't have a lot of people at my door due to the fact of we've provided education so your first scenario 2 years out I should have been planning over the last five years out for in case that would happen. Because if you're two years out, we know withdrawals are coming pretty soon. So we should have set up, set up your portfolio in a fashion of where we know where we're going to get our income from in two years. So we're not worried about a correction. We expect a correction every seven years. And we've bucked that curve now, right? <laughs> that seven-year rule is out the window because yep. we didn't get a correction in the seven-year time frame that you would normally expect one. So in the case of someone two years out, we've planned for that. And that's the whole key. Did you plan for there to be ups and downs in case you needed withdrawals? Or did you already plan out your withdrawals? Flip the coin. For someone like you, Michael, a correction happens this year. You're 20 years out, per se. Um, We don't worry about that. If anything, Michael, I'm calling you up and saying, hey, is the budget still good? Do we still know how much excess cash you have? Is this an appropriate time to be able to maybe not just – some people use the terminology double, doubling down at that point. I don't like the gambling reference. Sure. And I'll tell you why. But um, <laughs> we could do that. We can put more money into the market because the prices are lower. We know the market is technically now on sale. So the question I always ask anybody, if you really loved um, Disney – at $200, if Disney's $150, is not it still a great stock? Right. If you loved it at $200, why don't you love it at $150? But psychologically, people handle money in such a weird route, right? They buy at higher. So when we go shopping, if we go shopping in two different places and we're looking for a coat, we find it for 100 bucks in one store. We say to ourselves, okay, well, I think that's a decent price, but I'm going to keep looking around. If we go to the next store, we find the same exact jacket. And it's fifty dollars now. We're gonna buy it because it's on sale. It's on sale for fifty bucks. Yeah. Getting a discount. Getting a discount. In the stock market is the only place where we flip that. <laughs> you know, if that stock we bought at a hundred goes up to now two hundred, that jacket is now two hundred dollars. We'll buy more because we're linear thinkers. The price is only going to keep going up in our mind. Right. And it also happens when the market goes down because we're linear thinkers. We think, well, the market's just going to keep going down. Sure. And you can't think that way. That's not how it works. So when that market goes down, that is a chance for all your accumulator clients or your clients who are in that accumulation phase to keep buying and maybe buy more at that time. That's when your money's really made in the market. The market has made what we're talking now 450% yeah. since the lows. It's been a good run over that period. So it's a good time to strike. <laughs> to protect against kind of that downside, um, some of the terms that are out there like uh, – asset allocation or having a diversified portfolio. Um, and then there's some that argue against that being a way you should you, sh- you should have your holdings. So um, can you speak a little bit about to, to that? Is that an investment philosophy that's a good one to take on? or um... Absolutely. Diversification takes on a few different meanings, right? So we can talk about diversification in the traditional model of asset allocation. 
But diversification means a lot of different things. Have I diversified in many different accounts? Have I diversified my assets? Um, so let's talk about asset allocation model. We talked about index investing before. So that became all the rage. Everybody wanted to do index investing. And usually what that ended up meaning is buying the S&P 500, 500 of the largest stocks in the U.S., so people would go out there and just buy the U.S. index, the S&P 500, and they say, hey, I'm, U- I'm index I'm an investor. investor. <laughs> I'm an investor. I got it. That's great. But there's lots of different asset classes. When you talk about asset allocation, there's U.S. large companies, U.S. mid companies, U.S. small companies. There's international investing. And, we, and when we design a portfolio, we have to design it around all those different asset classes, bonds, stocks, U.S., international, small companies, large companies, companies that pay dividends, companies that are strictly growth companies. So that's one of your biggest values of working with a financial advisor is to say, hey, here's my portfolio. How is my actual asset allocation? Let's put this together and see, have I hit the asset classes? Because usually by doing that, we do lower our risk a bit. Mm -hmm. We could still lose money. But now with this diversified portfolio, we can still get market-like returns. But now we've taken a little bit of risk off the table because we spread it out our assets across many different areas, international and domestic and small and large and all that. So that's really an important thing when you look at the long term of how to make money in the market. But that's where an advisor has to come in and say, hey, you need X amount of percentage in your portfolio based off your risk tolerance. You need X amount of this asset class Mm -hmm. in your portfolio. And then when we talk about the other part of diversification is people don't really understand what they have, right? So if you have a few accounts in a few different places and you think about the index investing, someone would tell me, yeah, Kochi, I'm diversified. I'm good. I got an account over at TCF, account Edward Jones, I got an account over there. I'll grab the statements. I'll take a look at the statements. And four of those statements are purchasing the same asset. So sure. Yeah, so that's not diversification. That's clutter. You got stuff in a lot of different places buying the same asset class. So if that asset class goes down, it's not going to affect everything. Exactly. All falls the same way. So you got to look at diversification in many different terms and even diversification in the products you're buying. Do I have pre-tax assets? Do I have after-tax assets? Do I use an after-tax asset like a Roth IRA? Do I buy municipal bonds for tax-free you know, is my investment tax deferred or is taxable? So those are the kind of things we also have to look at from a diversification standpoint. And if somebody, I guess, is looking to, you know, sit down with an investment advisor at Affinity Plus, how do you, what ways do they have to get a hold of you directly uh, or any of our other investment professionals at any of our other locations? Yeah, they can go to our website and, you know, look at the investment reps and just send a message right to us. You know, can read through a quick little bio on the investment advisors uh, or find out which location that advisor works in or just send an email to uh, investmentadvisors at affinityplus.org. You know, just give us a little bit of what you're looking for, which branch you'd prefer to meet in. And even this year, too, we're looking at doing some more online, whether it be meeting over chat, meeting over Skype, trying some of those platforms too to say, hey, I can't make it in the office, but hey, I'd like to just chat with you, you know, or I'd like to just video conference with you real quick, ask you some questions, get to know your philosophy or tell you a little bit about me. So that's a good place to start is maybe on our website and just shoot shoot an email at the advisor, investment advisor email box and just say, hey, I'd like some help. 
Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, Coachy, for joining me in the studio today to talk about investing. Really appreciated it. Michael, thank you. This was really a good time. And like I always say, invest in yourself. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Investing in You. We hope you found it informative and inspirational. Special thanks to Minnehaha Recording Studio for use of their amazing facility. If you'd like to revisit any part of the episode, check out the show notes on our website at affinityplus.org. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and you'll be notified as soon as new episodes are released. And we'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you thought about the episodes and what you'd like to hear on future episodes by connecting with us on social media. We'll be back with our next episode, but until then, keep investing in you. Representatives are registered securities sold advisory services offered through CUNA Brokerage Services Incorporated. CBSI, member FINRA SIPC, registered broker dealer and investment advisor, which is not an affiliate of the credit union. CBSI is under contract with the financial institution to make securities available to members, not NCUA, NCU, SIF, FDIC insured, may lose value, no financial institution guarantee, not a deposit of any financial institution.